Welcome to the Music is Remedy podcast with me, Ash Remedy Roy, the founder of Music is Remedy. Music is Remedy is a platform for emerging artists in the UK scene, be it hip hop, soul, spoken word. If it's good music and we like it, we for over the last 10 years have been supporting it for our live events, website and podcasts. On every episode of the Music is Remedy podcast, we'll be speaking to different artists, promoters, managers, just people from the music industry that we respect and we love and feel like they've got a story that we need to pass on to you. There'll be tips, there'll be advice, there'll be funny stories, there'll be emotional moments, but most importantly, there'll be motivation and inspiration for you to keep pushing on and succeed in one with your music career if that's what you do or two if you're a fan and just love that artist falling in love with them more and becoming a part of their tribe so thank you for joining us and please listen on and enjoy in this episode i got to speak to one of my favorite people in the game she is the incredible louise golby quality artist hard working consistent I feel like her hustle is uncomparable at times. Um, Really inspiring person. We talk about gigging, we talk about the music industry and the highs and lows that we've both experienced. We talk about videos, we talk about life and how chasing that dream can mean that you put other dreams on hold and that it's just hard to explain to other people. But anyway, if you're feeling it, make sure that you share it, like it, comment, um, and tell a friend. This is the Music is Remedy podcast. Are you good? I'm alright. I'm tired, but I'm always tired. Mm. How has Louise's week been so far, musically? Musically? Mm. Actually, no, not bad. Uh, I had a recording session yesterday and a meeting, so... You know, not every day music stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Although I'm constantly doing like music admin and bits, but there's always more. I always feel like, you know, it's a freelance thing, isn't it? You know, your phone's always on. You could, you don't want to like miss that email that might be like another opportunity. So you're always kind of on, always working. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Um, in fact, as I was telling you earlier, I have like FOMO about not going to events where I might, I may or may not have a conversation that might lead to an opportunity. So when, you know, that's why it's good to go to other people's gigs because you never know and showing your face is always important. But, you know, I do go to things and I network. So when I can't go to a thing, I'm like, oh God, what if I could have met? I don't know. I mean, who knows? Yeah, no, no, but that's it. You never know. And it's the kind of game where you have to kind of be in people's minds. Exactly. You know, and if they see your face, even if they might not have that opportunity for you there and then, yeah. they might kind of go back and think, ah. Oh, so you know you're making English I was going tonight. No, 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 you're not supposed to go. Like, you're supposed to have this lovely meal and a night off and get, yeah. get in in the morning and just start the day nicely. So okay. I wouldn't worry about it. Thank you. Too much. <laughs> What I, I think was nice about your uh, your gig story is the fact that someone got back to you yeah. and said, actually, you know what? We found a space for you, Louise, and we would love you to be there. Yeah. I think that's that's a really nice thing. That is nice. And um, it shows your 
the impact you've had on people. Thank you. You know, um, can you remember our first encounter, or do you have a memory of it at all? Um, I feel like it was Obar, mm-hmm. but then I've realised it's not. Did you? Yes. So in my head, it was Obar, but that was very, very early on the yeah. remedy nights, and that's. Blue's Kitchen now, right? Yeah, yeah. Blue's Kitchen, Camden. So, it was actually a night where I was performing and there was two stages. You got it! Right? Yeah, Where was yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. I think it was in East London. It was Spitalfords. It was in, I think it was called The Spits back then. I can't oh. remember, but it was right in Spitalfields Market. Yes. Just It was upstairs. Mm-hmm. And they had this thing where one act would play on one stage and then instead of a break... Another actress, and you were playing for a guy that got signed, and I can't remember his name. So his Tinesh- name was Tinashe. Tinashe. He was now Rational. Ah. Um, who's still going strong uh, and kicking well. Okay. Um, but I remember, wasn't there a thing that obviously when he got signed, even they so, chose a different band or something, or did I make that up? Yeah, that 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 did kind of happen. Different musicians got got brought in and. Yeah. Story the game. I know. The thing is, that was like the first story of that I heard, and then loads of people I know have had that because it was that classic. It's that classic thing, isn't it? Like you feel like you're part of this this artist's journey, and then as soon as the label's involved, the artist has no power on what you know. If the label makes decisions, yeah, it's an A and R thing, and they might look at it, and it might be a visual thing. Yeah. You know, we weren't writing anything, we were just yeah. playing. But um, you still did you a know, lot of the gigs leading up to those moments, and then I guess that's... Without a doubt, without a doubt. It would probably hurt a lot more if, if like I said, we'd been writing and yeah. stuff like that. Oh, hopefully. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, I, I, but again, you know, it's that thing, like, you've got session bands who, you know, they fit the bill. They brought in the record company knows them. I know this guy. Yeah. You rely on him. He's always good. He's just finished with this artist. Yeah, and we'll then they'll him get him to MD it, and then he'll get his musicians that he's used to playing with. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's it. Which which makes sense, and yeah, no yeah. hard feelings. I Sorry for it. bringing that. Up. No, 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 no. But it, it's fine. It's it's one of those experiences, and mm. again, it comes back to like that network. And knowing the right people, uh, all the right people knowing you, and we weren't a known entity to say yes, we need to get you. you were you running that night, or were you no, just? Thankfully not. See, I'm trying to remember how I got that gig and who did the gig. I just remember the two stage thing. It was it fun. was a really good idea. So from what I can remember of the night, this promoter had the idea of having two stages and filming. It. So it was like a like a TV show almost, like a live performance thing. Yeah. And it was actually a really good idea because there's nothing worse than when you're running a night and you're trying to switch acts over yeah. and you've got that little lull and you're trying to set things up, you're trying to keep things moving. gets later and later and, you, you know, people can't sound check and stuff. Um, but that was the problem. We went on stage and we started sound checking not realising that it was coming out through the system while Louise was performing. (laughs) And we had no idea that this was happening. And I I think you were maybe two songs in when, yeah, someone made a comment and, um, yeah, like, whoever the engineer was kind of shut us up and cut us off. But um, it was not the best run 
event in the world. Oh, gosh, yeah. Cause... But you were lovely. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm worried I wasn't, though. No, 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 no. That would no. have annoyed me. <laughs> no. It was but... annoying, though. It would have annoyed anyone. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, no, I remember that now. But, yeah. Because was... I think I was like, why are we... Why are the two bands playing at the same time? I thought we were taking it in turns, not realising you were sound checking. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Which, in theory, should have just been a line check, everything right. turned down. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. No. Look at us now. I know. Still going strong. It didn't hurt that much. Exactly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's it's just... It's, it's funny how the scene works and how doing those gigs here, there and everywhere can you know, build up relationships, but also give you those experiences to, like, improve. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? Like, all of those gigs, well, and still, you know, every gig you do is different. And obviously it's it's rubbish when stuff like that happens because you might be nervous and then it makes you more nervous or you don't know what's going on or, or if the sound's rubbish at gigs or you can't hear yourself and all those stuff, it just... It gives you that experience so that hopefully you can handle anything yeah, and yeah, you yeah. just have to get over it and be professional about it. And so, yeah, but uh, it, is, it is part of the... Well, I, I think it's made you the incredible vocalist that you are. Like, I think Thank when you. I think back over the years, and you've never been a bad vocalist, but I just, I feel like, and probably maybe maybe four, four or five years ago, if, even then... Like, there's just this new kind of polish and shine on your voice and really? vocal. Whenever you're on stage, like, you've just, you've got it. Like, you, you. you've got the people in, you've, there's just this class. And like I said, I can only call it, like, quality and shine. That comes from honing your craft. Exactly. And honing you know... your skill. You are a skilled vocalist, Thank and you. it's not come from just you know singing in front of the TV or singing in the shower. Yeah. It's come from being out and putting in the work, yeah. and you have to do it. But I mean, I don't know. What's your take on that? Do you do you think doing all those gigs have improved you or have made you better, or you know, do you just not need to do that? Can you just kind no, of get I think away you, with it? I see. This is what. That's how, what's the word, grassroots thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, you will get artists that are really young that get signed off the back of, you know, natural talent. But then then they put them on a tour or a live thing and they've got no experience of gigging. And like, that's what I was saying, like, it is important. Not just... I mean, yeah, maybe my voice has improved, but it's also, you know, what, what works well in a set, like... Maybe you do a cover, but you do it in the middle, or you know, like I, I don't like it when people start with a cover if it's an mm-hmm. original skit because then you kind of hook the audience in the wrong way at first. Or, I mean, that's just the way I see it. Yeah. Um, and what to say in between sets, how much to say, introducing the band, thanking the sound guy, all of these things, you know, you just kind of learn that are important dealing with bad sound, having the balls to say to the sound guy I can't hear myself rather than just like go, getting on with it or you know it's just mm. and musicianship on stage communicating with your band because obviously sometimes people that don't have aren't used to playing with live musicians don't necessarily know like if they've gone a bit wrong or you know the band needs to follow them they've got to kind of be like you know there's lots of things you just 
learn from doing it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think vocally I could always sing, but I reckon I reckon my voice has got stronger and you know know how. Like if I'm having a day where my voice is a bit tired, yeah, I might not do certain things in those songs that I would do when I'm feeling like my voice is like on it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So how did the whole journey start for you? Well, um, so I've always been a bit of a performer. <laughs> my brother used to call me a show off. Now, it was never, like, <laughs> precocious, but it's my, it's my family's fault because they're musical. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just the first person to have kind of done it professionally and really tried to pursue it. Although, having said that, my grandpa did... Yeah. Did do violin professionally. Um, so I've always sung and danced. I used to do lots of musical theatre, like, from when I was little. Um, but then, like, obviously musical theatre is a certain genre, but my brother got me into hip-hop and soul when I was little. So I always liked R&B and soul growing up, which is why I think when I started writing, I kind of went that way. My voice, even though my voice is... You know, when I was doing musical theatre, I could do, like, proper soprano, big high notes and mm-hmm. all the slightly jazzy, gershwin type stuff. Um, and, in fact, I did... A friend and I... A friend who was a pianist... Still is a pianist. <laughs> um, he... Him and I, like, started this little jazz duo when I was young. And we used to do a few gigs at some restaurants. Then at uni, I was doing gigs but had started writing. And I had, because I played the piano, not very good, but I Mm -hmm. did play. Like, even just made up melodies when I was younger. And then I wrote a few songs. I think someone gave me... It was a friend of a friend who was a producer and had written an instrumental and wanted, like, a top line on it. And I wrote melody and lyrics to it. And then started writing more. And then a a friend of mine from uni she started putting on these variety nights where she'd have poets, um, I think dance, um, actors doing monologues and stuff, and music. Um, and you had, like, 15 minutes. And she booked me in a, a little jazz show that I'd um, started just to play music at the beginning of the night before the actual event. And she was like, oh, you know, I really... I'd like to book you for a main slot, but the whole point is it's, like, originals material. Do you have anything original? Yeah. And I was like, well, yeah, but I've never sung them in front of anyone. I don't know if they're any good. So I got my friend James, who played guitar, to, like, learn my songs from my basic, like, demos that I'd done. And we did three songs. I think it was two originals and one cover. We did George Michael's Fast Love, which sounded great (laughs) acoustic. I kind of wish... It's a great song. Yeah. Great song. It's a great song. Um, and, yeah, we two two original songs, and people liked it. And it was great, because the actual... The show was in the theatre. It was at the Arts Depot in Finchley. Nice. So the, the crowd were with you. It wasn't, mm-hmm. like, trying to get their attention in a pub. And it went really well. And after that, I kind of was like, oh, maybe I should do original stuff, and started booking gigs, and... James played loads of my first gigs with me and then he got busy and then I got other guitarists and obviously I was meeting more musicians as I went, mm. meeting producers who I then worked with, going to loads of gigs. And that was a really long-winded answer, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> But amazing, my friend it. Ria, if she hadn't have told, said to me, do you have any original stuff, I might not be doing it. 
Good work, Rhea. Like, so Rhea's the reason, yeah. As nice as she saw something in her time, I, well, I mean, I'm pretty sure it would have found its way out of you anyway. I hope so. But she basically pushed that first singing something I've written in front of people. And mm-hmm. it was a lot of people in a theatre, so it was quite quite exposed and quite intimidating. So how did it how did it feel like putting your art on show that first time? Well having like just really done covers before that. Yeah. I mean at least obviously I had performance experience. So I wasn't nervous performing but yeah, I was I mean, still, when I've got a bit of a song idea and I'm going to even a producer that I've worked with loads, a new song idea, you don't really know if it's any good and it's actually quite nerve-wracking playing it in front of someone for the first time. When I had my session with Omar, he was like, I'll bring a couple of ideas. And I had this, like, voice note on my phone of this little melody hook I had. And, oh, no, hang on. I did have, like most of the song but first it's Omar but secondly yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just nerve wracking anyway like going oh, this is this really rubbish demo that hopefully you can see potential in or maybe it's rubbish who knows mm. I always wonder if people that are like really prolific you know hit songwriters um, I mean I can't think of any good examples I don't know maybe someone like um, Chris uh, Martin Coldplay? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought I got his name on it. Because, <laughs> you know, I wonder if he still gets nervous playing an idea in front of the band for the first time, mm-hmm. or whether he's just so sure of his songwriting ability that he doesn't get nervous. Yeah, and they're sure of each other as well. Yeah. Probably not. They're, it's probably done and dusted for them, like so many albums in. Yeah, exactly. But... Yeah, but not everything he writes is... Mm-hmm. But then... They've got the luxury of people will buy stuff of theirs, even if it's not their strongest song. Yeah. You know, like, there's certain songs that come out now that you think, oh, if that was their first single, that might not have done so well, but because... Mm. No, no, mm. you make a good point. Thank um, you. Going back to something you said earlier on about your brother introducing you to stuff, what what were the artists that you feel like kind of inspired you um, in those early days to kind of go down the the more soulful R&B type route? Well, remember listening to his De La Soul album, mm-hmm. which obviously is hip-hop, but, you know, it was all, like, old it's samples soulful, of soul. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's melodic, and it's... Um, and then I did... I mean, they, it wasn't an influence, but, like, Mum had quite a lot of Motown records, so I think that's probably where the souliness came. But then I found my own kind of love of R&B and then neo-soul. So when, like, when I first heard Jill Scott, for example, I was like, I like this because it combines my love of, like, hip-hop and stuff, but it's melodic and there's harmonies and it's just... And it felt like that's where my voice could sit quite well. Mm -hmm. It was a bit jazzy, but but cooler. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I do. I do. I do, I do, I do. Um, So, what what inspires you to to do all the music stuff? Where does it come from? Well, do you mean to keep going or to... Well, what what inspired you initially? 
And then what, what inspires you now? Because it's hard. It is. It's hard. I don't know why I'm still doing it. Um, I still get a buzz out of performing, mm-hmm. especially when it's my stuff, especially when the audience is connecting with it. Like, yeah. it's an amazing feeling. It really is. Because um, I'm like, oh, wow, I wrote this, and these people like it. Like, that's amazing. Um, I still love the recording process as well. You know, it's exciting when you're in the studio and you suddenly come up with this idea or, you know, and you're working with equally passionate people. Um, And then obviously, like, lyrics come from, obviously, are inspired by things I'm feeling or things I'm going through or what friends are going through. Um, Yeah, sometimes inspiration doesn't come, though. You know, you can't Mm -hmm. just be like... Right, I'm going to write a song on Saturday <laughs> at this, you know, between nine and five. It doesn't work like that. Like, sometimes yeah. lyrical ideas will come to me and I just have to, like, quickly write a note on my phone or a vocal idea will come to me in the middle of the night and I'm like, oh, I'm tired, but I need to record it because I won't remember it. And I'm like, no, I will remember it. I never remember it. <laughs> so I have to record it. Um, yeah. And on those days when it is hard, like, yeah. what kind of keeps you going is it that buzz is it that one of the next gig or the one of recording that next song i'd say because it is very up and down like all creative things are you know because mm. you're not only is it your own stuff there's it's more often a no than a yes when it comes to big opportunities or you know i've come so close to things that could have been you know, I did a track with Example that nearly made his first album. Not his first album. His, his like, most successful yeah, his breakthrough first album. breakthrough yeah. album. Right. But then he went another way um, and went all dancey. So the track that we did was his old kind of style. I did a track that, well, obviously, you know, Ed Sheeran, like, I used to do loads of gigs with him and, mm. uh, you know... There's just, yeah, there's all these, like, almost that have happened over the years. And still that happens. You know, I get asked to do a brief for an advert or something and then it doesn't happen, but it's worth the risk, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, But I'd say the thing that keeps me going is the success I've had. Because if nothing had happened, I would have given up. Mm. But actually, things do happen. It, It is, yeah... I don't know what I'm waiting for, though. Like, I feel like I've put, like, other... Like, real life on hold because I've been so, like, focused with music. And when people go, well, what, where do you see yourself? Like, what, what is it you want? Because to the outside eye, I am successful. And I am. And I do make money from music. I, you know, I get royalties from Radio Play. And I'm... You know, I pretty much only do paid gigs now if I can help it. Mm-hmm. Um... But I'm not where I want to be, but I can't tell people where I want to be because it's quite... There's no set path, and also, I don't know. I Obviously, I want more. I want, I want my music to be out there more. I want... But do I want... Do I want to be Ed Sheeran's point of fame? I mean, he's like... <laughs> yeah. He's like the most successful artist. Like, he always had talent, you know this. Like, yeah, yeah. you guys played, you know, with his band, weren't you, for a bit? And 
there's no denying like he captivated the room just him the guitar and loop pedal but you could never have predicted how big he was going to be I'm sure even his manager at the first the time when he first got his his album was number one wouldn't have thought he's going to still be successful in four years time be the biggest artist in the world have a single with Beyonce be on Eminem sort of like there's just no way you could have predicted yeah for him to be in he's that done upper so well echelon of artists but that's yeah. quite rare to like um for that I, I think it's like most people have a bit of success and then there's the shelf life but Ed's like had a very quite a long career in terms of music industry if you think yeah. about it yeah no 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 we'll, we'll not as mine <laughs> <laughs> yes get it in get it in I am the Beyonce of Tuffnell Park remember I'll take that's that. my own yeah, 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 yeah. No, no we can give you that one <laughs> okay it's well deserved no it's, it's I mean it is your consistency that's at your consistency combined with your quality that's got you to where you are it's got you the the gigs that you've been able to get like I mean yeah. you've done some really high profile support slots like in your time and that thank you that doesn't come from you know just some random person scrolling through Twitter and finding an artist and alright yeah this one ticks the box yeah it's because you're good and because you can I think... hold that crowd I mean what what are those gigs like what what is it like to um, to go from doing a a pub in Tufnell Park to opening for Roy Ayers or um, Vogue, like living legends of the music yeah. industry. Like, how, what are those gigs like? I mean, they are amazing. Supporting people is actually like more nerve wracking than doing a headline gig yourself because those people aren't there for you mm-hmm. and you've basically got to win them over and draw their attention and hope that they'll then support you afterwards. Um, so it's like a bit of a challenge um, but I tend to be put with artists of a similar genre or ones that I like to think that they've put me on that bill for a reason because you know you, would, you wouldn't have like a folk artist with mm-hmm. people that I um, some of the people I've supported but, um, but it is because of my hard work and my reputation that I have got those gigs and you know sometimes I'm I'm always up for helping other artists and, you know, people ask me advice and stuff, but sometimes there's things that I've had offered to me and it's because I've worked really hard and I've been doing it a long time and I'm always a bit like, you'll get, like, a message going, hey, Han, congrats on the on Vogue support. I just wondered how you got that, you know, like, and it's very, like, give me your contacts. And I'm thinking, oh. So I just say, well, I was asked to do it and, like, I can't really... I don't know, it's tricky because I want to help people but at the same time there's like certain things where I feel like I deserved that mm-hmm. and I've earned my place there yeah rather than just being like oh yeah sure here you go <laughs> is that really horrible no it's not but then no. I'm happy to like I'll always help out people like with promoters I know good like I would never if I've had a bad experience with a gig I wouldn't recommend that person that gig and I have helped people out. I've, you know, the other day a friend of mine played at the Pizza Express Holborn mm. and he said to me, oh, I want to do my album launch somewhere, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I think your stuff would go really, down really well there. I think your style would suit it. And 
he really wanted to play that venue and I did a little introduction email and he got the gig and he sold it out so you know I'm not yeah, job done yeah I guess it's yeah certain things I I'll, I'll give away secrets others I feel like oh I really earned that one <laughs> and you broke out and then you're strong yeah you haven't been doing this very long so <laughs> yeah no, oh, I don't know is that awful Probably. no it's not like you know everyone's got to put in the work and it, I don't know I think one of the things that um, I've been learning in my years is that it's alright to say no sometimes yeah of course you know sometimes you you can't give away all the secrets sometimes you can't take all the opportunities sometimes you can't help everyone um, you've kind of got to do what's right for you um, mm. and what keeps you keeps you sane in the head there's nothing worse than if you had helped someone out but then you're resentful for helping that person like, yeah because then they got their gig or something yeah, like, it, it, there's no, yeah you know and it's it's not even about or you feel guilty for not helping and think oh am I a bad person it's like you've got you've got to do what what's works for you and works for your mind and yeah you know means that you sleep on at night fine and there's nothing wrong with the rationale you've just given <laughs> like but again like you said, I, I truly believe though that a lot of the times you, even if you, um, even if your network and who you know is why you've got the opportunity, when you do have the opportunity, your talent then needs to shine through. Yeah. Um, so those people who might not necessarily earned it, but but have got it through their network, when they are in the spotlight, it doesn't always work out. Yeah. And there's no longevity in it because they just didn't have mm. the talent or the skills or like you were kind of leaning on a little bit earlier that they didn't have the experience to be ready yet to deal yeah. with all of those different scenarios which you get from just doing it week in week out mm. you know um well yeah, the george benson support he i think he just the promoter guy discovered me because he was looking for a youth I mean so George Benson was ages ago now mm. so that just proves firstly how long I was doing it but that I had a presence even like on the internet he basically was like looking for UK soul artists and he wanted a female UK soul artist and they they even like were gonna have Omar but they decided they wanted a female and maybe someone more more up and coming but it was because of my reputation and my presence online or what I'd done or whatever that secured me that one. And that's you know, it wasn't what? some back backdoor route, is that all thing? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, but but that's what I mean. It, yeah. It, it's that consistency, the fact that you are always tweeting, the fact that you've taken a picture of this microphone to say that you're here. Like <laughs> that that consistency is what gives you the profile so that when so, well, I believe anyway, if someone was looking at you to book, right, we need to find a female UK soul act to support George Benson. Like, this girl is on it. There's videos on YouTube. There's tweets. Her Facebook profile's up to date. Her website's on point. She's gigging here. She's gigging there. She's got radio play. Mm. Like, it, yeah, yeah. it's all there. And it's professional and... You know, again. Yeah, it's some not just people, like a li- uh, one sound like SoundCloud link to one song or something. Yeah, or, yeah. There's there's someone who is is about their business. They're mm. on it, so why wouldn't you? And then if they listen to the songs and they like it, you know, and they feel it's a good fit, which it would be, mm. and it was like, 
yes, yeah, no brainer. Yeah. But again, that comes down, that comes down to your work and what you put in and what you've done. So, thank you. Um, videos, like yes. you, you put out videos for near enough every song. <laughs> like it's it's really impressive. Um, Not every song. I've just got a lot of songs. <laughs> but all right. So with each project, though, mm. you make sure that you've got at least two videos. Yeah, it really depends because sometimes with a song, I'll be like, I've got an idea for a video for this and I really want to do a video. Mm-hmm. Others haven't had like a strong idea or... I mean, the thing is, even though obviously I'm doing it all on a shoestring budget, it's, yeah. still, it's still an expense and I'm still like toying at the moment. But it's fun making videos, I love it. And I also love essentially being the producer because... Mm-hmm. You're making it happen. Yeah, I'm making it happen. I'm, like, pulling in favours with venues or, you know, organising everything about it and, you know, um, even making, you know, making costumes <laughs> sometimes. Um, I love that side of it. And also, because, like I said, I used to dance. Any excuse. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just, I'll be like, Mum, see, those ballet lessons weren't a waste of time or money. I'm still doing it. <laughs> Um, but obviously, the the thing with videos is, when you are unsigned, you can't make a big budget video. So you either have to think of something really quirky and original, or it just has to be nicely shot. But it is nice having a visual. Um, although now I'm hearing people saying, don't worry about doing videos because there's no point wasting money on videos. Spend that money on promotion instead. It's better off having just a still photo with the song on, like have mm-hmm. it on YouTube. Yeah. Because people will go to YouTube or have a lyric video which you can just make on like iMovie or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, with that in mind, I don't know, but I still... Yeah, how do you, how do you yeah. feel the video impacts your projects? I feel like... When I first was doing videos, I feel like people watched them more and shared them more. Mm-hmm. But obviously, that's a time thing. So I'd have people on Facebook sharing everything. Now I feel like I'm begging people to share stuff. And I don't know if that's because they're busier, be it, you know, families or whatever. Mm. Uh, things just, there being so much stuff on the internet and they might not see it, but also maybe they're a bit, like, tired of sharing my stuff. I'm talking about my friends. So it's actually harder, weirdly, now, even though I've got my reputation, it's harder to get someone to watch a video in full, let alone more than once, because people's attention spans are just... And And I feel like sometimes with Facebook, people... And I think because people think I'm doing really, really well, which, you know, I'm not not doing well, but I think people don't think I still need them, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Like, I do actually still need my friends to, yeah, share a video or buy the song for Nice Night P or stream it Mm -hmm. or whatever. But a lot of my friends probably think, I'm doing really well, I don't need that extra thing, but I kind of do, and... I get really frustrated when I see people sharing, like, a lad bible video of a cat playing the piano, but they won't share their friend's video that she's worked really hard on. But I know all, like, most of my music friends have that frustration. 
because yeah. it's like people seem to engage when you put something controversial or whatever, but then when you put a, a music thing up, it's like people are like, oh, it's just a music thing. She's always putting music things. That's what I worry about. Yeah. It's, do you, it's do you ever one. get that with gigs when you're playing? Well, I mean, again, it's it's been a long time since since my nearest and dearest were at a gig or an event that I put on. Like yeah. it, it doesn't happen. Obviously, in the early days, they were there. They were yeah. they were cheering. They were chanting, um, and a massive support. And you need that at the start. Like to, like from my experience of of running events and an event being like my art. That this is my album. I'm giving you anyone who's in the crowd. I've put this lineup together because I think you're gonna be entertained. And I think I really love these artists and I champion them, so I want you to to know about them and see them. Mm. Um, and you want that backing of, you know, you need that backing of your, your kind of support network to kind of get you through those those early years where there's Definitely. a lot of doubt and you question yourself, or, or this me anyway, um, and question what you're doing and just knowing that those faces are in the crowd mm. and are there to kind of back you. Um, and support you is massive mm. um, but then at the same time as years goes on priorities change and well people move out like, of London like, yeah. they're not going out every night like they were when we were starting And it's just that and yeah. and having to rely on your friends um, friends and family to be there all the time you, just, you can't do it mm. and you can't expect them because they've done their bit yeah of course they've done their bit they've set you up to kind of keep on going and I feel like the when you get that success is when you've got that bigger audience mm. and you're not just relying on them I used to get heartbroken when certain people wouldn't mm. show up like, well, I'm never talking to this person again like you know not never talking to but you know yeah. like really let me down when actually like no I've just got to I've got to get better at this mm. I've got to get it so more people are coming and more people know about what I'm doing and my brand and my reputation, um, which means that people who know nothing about me but have heard about this Remedy event and I'm going to go and check it out or they've seen the posts on Instagram or Twitter or MySpace and mm. they want to find out a bit more what's going on and you, you know, you build that network and you build that that tribe there's a lot to be said for creating this tribe of well and then fans. people tell their friends they're like hey I went to this great thing the other day it's on next month you should yeah. come and I, I think but I think the same can be said with an artist mm. and you building up that tribe of supporters who you know will make sure they they buy that 99p signal single even um, and they may not share the videos but again like who is sharing videos? Well, that's like, the thing. I don't. I don't. I don't so remember. Why would I expect other people to? You know, like yeah. I spend a fair amount of time on YouTube, but the video content isn't really there anymore. Mm. Um, I, I'm normally watching interviews and podcasts and vlogs and stuff mm. like that, as opposed to actually looking looking for music videos. People have stopped doing the live sessions. There's there's like no, you know, none of those acoustic sessions that were massive like two mm. three years ago actually no one's doing them but it's, it is weird how that's changed because 
similarly to what I was saying about people saying, oh, you don't video, video, music videos aren't as important anymore. Um, obviously with Spotify, even like, if people don't even, it's less about what the visual is in a way, because a lot of people listen to music through Spotify. Yeah. So, it, yeah, but people I think aren't necessarily it. searching for music videos anymore. It's the way music is consumed. Mm. Music isn't consumed necessarily through radio as much, not through video as much, because Spotify and Apple Music has become so easily accessible for yeah. everyone, and that you can get, oh, it's just you can get all of your music. It, it's made the record shop redundant mm. completely. Like, obviously, big yeah. artists still do big videos, and then you yeah. know, the, obviously, the more controversial, the more people are talking about the video, then the more it gets watched. And obviously, Beyonce did her whole video. But album. again, if you look at but, you look at um, Four Music, which is is supposed to be just a music video channel, and they show old episodes of Charmed and. The Kardashians yeah. and the love and hip hop. Oh, MTV, obviously. You know, stopped being music videos. <laughs> exactly, yeah. and, but for even the three digital, like, because there are no other music digital channels on Freeview or anything, mm. like, and even they have gone to lifestyle content as opposed to yeah. actual music videos. It just shows that you know there's, a, and I still, I, I still think there is a place for the visual, and I still think. As an artist, you can promote yourself. It's another way of promoting yourself and getting, telling the story of the song. Like, if there is a bigger story in your song, it's a great way to tell it. Yeah. And it's a great way to... We, For Instagram, is, it's massive. Instagram's it is, visual. Yeah, it's all it's about all the about visual. visual. So even still being able to play a 10, 20-second clip of a video on an Instagram post or an Instagram story... That's that. It's still good to have that content, yeah. as opposed to expecting everyone to watch all three minutes on a YouTube video. Well, this is all three minutes, like as if it's like a long time. Yeah. So this is the thing, isn't it? Like, the Instagram clip will get loads of views, but are they then clicking link in bio for the full video? Most people won't. No. They'll just keep. Um, and you know, like with Facebook. Um, how obviously for them to make money, they don't show if you put any external links. Mm. So if I was to upload my a link to my YouTube video, they purposely like don't show it to all of your feed yeah. unless you pay for a sponsored thing, and even then it's still limited. So what you have to do is actually upload a clip directly to Facebook and then put the link. But then once again, people just see that little clip. And that doesn't mean they're then gonna follow up and. No, but it's depressing though when you've like worked really hard and. Yeah, I. So. I, I agree. It's just the changing nature of the beast. Yeah. And I just think you can't take it personally, even though it's. it's no, I know, I know. Like you just have to, but I I do think, like I said, I do think having that visual, is helpful. It's just people don't consume music and and again it's the same thing I think we sat down and put on a music video channel on a New Year's Eve and it's like I haven't seen the video for this song like yeah. big massive like top 40 songs yeah 
because again, just not consuming music in that way anymore. Um, it's about the live experience, and it's the Spotify and iTunes experience yeah. now. It's it's just the way it is. It's the again the ever changing nature mm. of the game. No. Maybe it'll come full circle, you know. Yeah, I think there's still a space for it. Like, but um, yeah, I don't know. We'll <laughs> see. Um, what are you listening to right now? What do you love? Um, well, uh, I listen to. I actually listen to the radio quite a lot, um, like at work and stuff, because um, I quite like knowing what what is popular, what's kind of being. Uh, yeah, not that I'm like gonna change my sound or something, but it's just I just find it very interesting. Like, so every now and again you'll get like a a song that's not an obvious hit that then does really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but like artist wise, I love Anderson Pack. Um, I try and support other artists on the scene. I did a gig with this amazing singer called Anique. Um, she asked me to do backing vocals, but I was also like supporting her, and her album's amazing. It's like she's just such a talented songwriter and a bloody incredible singer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, other than that, I haven't. Yeah, I guess I consume music differently as well now. I don't listen to whole albums. Yeah, it's I listen to bits and bobs, or I shuffle it, or I yeah. Mm. Yeah, I still love an album. Yeah. I think, I, but I think that's the creator in me and kind of recognising that someone has probably put this album in this exact sequence to try and take you on a journey. Yeah. Um, and I want to hear it in the fall. Oh, I like to try and hear it in the fall anyway, so I'll always try and turn off shuffle and just try and yeah. engage those first couple of listens and then I will just end up going to the songs that I like and just skipping through. And, but this is the uh, thing, like when I was doing my album... I spend so long deciding what order. And I'm sure artists, record labels, managers spend a long time doing it, even though they know that, especially on iTunes, people listen to the singles mainly or have it on shuffle. But, you know, they're normally in an order for a reason that's been thought of. So it's, it's almost a shame when actually people kind of just ignore that but they don't ignore it it's just the way they listen or you know when it's a concept album or something but yeah yeah. I I think if you don't have that creative in you then it it changes Um, and you probably don't go down that road anymore of listening to it like that because and again you know the way people discover music playlists again it's just one song um, or just again it randomly shuffling and you know it making suggestions based on on what you're listening to mm-hmm. I'll put an album on and I'll start driving and the on Spotify and it will finish and it will recommend another artist and then I'm just skipping yeah. through because I'm not going to type out and search for the next album or the next thing yeah so um, what's your definition of success in this game did you ask me that in advance I reckon I did you reckon you did yeah yes you did Hard question, exclamation mark. (laughs) (laughs) I've kind of already said this, though. That's all right. Which is that some people would say I'm successful. And without being negative, like, you know, I... 
I am, I am successful. But then, like I said before, I still don't feel like I'm where I want to be. Not that I know where that is. So, um, yeah, I feel like there's more to come. Um, you know, it's good to like aim higher, but do I have a point where I go? You know, like I'm saying, like being an adult and making sensible decisions rather than like basing everything around music. Because I feel like I don't know. I mean, you've got children, but I feel like the moment I decide to have children is that it. Whereas, like, and it shouldn't be. But I feel like as an artist, I can't be living doing what I'm doing now for however many years. And so I'm like, am I just like putting? proper life on hold because I'm following this dream. It's actually what The Outsider's about, the song I did with Omar. It's about, like, not... Like, just basically living this life around following a career and, yeah, not doing what everyone else is doing. Which there's nothing wrong with. No. Like, it is too easy to conform to... To what you're supposed to do, yeah. To do or or not do, um, but you've got to find happiness inside. And if that means going and have a baby, and then recording a song about it, you know, go <laughs> for it. No. Yeah, no, it is an experience. Um, but I mean, like, I, I just I think you this game of life you've got to play it on your own terms. Yeah. And if that means kind of gigging and gigging and gigging singing and writing and creating then great if it means getting married and having kids and never touching the stage again then it's that like but you have to do it you have to do what's right for you yeah and what works for you and the whole thing of like putting things on hold just happens when it's right mm. it happens when it's right and i do think as well the uh, the experiences of being a parent if that's what you want will give you material for oh, yeah, albums and albums and <laughs> albums because, you know, a wealth of experience. Plus, the other thing as well, like, like you want your kids to be able to, to be proud of what you've done. You want to be able to mm. look at your kids and say, I did everything I did. You should go and chase your dreams. Mm. You don't want to look at them and think, oh, I'm holding back or you don't want to get to, like, 70 and 80 and like regret not having done certain things yeah well of course and you know whether that means having kids or whether that means making another album that's down to the person entirely but just go out and do it Mm. do what works for you do what's right for you and yeah I don't know I don't don't think this normal life of people that are just living for Saturday and Sunday is is the way and all oh, no. right this creative life is hard but um i mean well you, you you you're a good example of being able to do both but then i think i do think it's different for men and women obviously yeah. because of the physical side of no, it no the connection you know what i mean like men that's why you know in people with nine to fives they get two weeks paternity and that's it kind of yeah. thing do you know what i mean yeah. Not that that's enough, but it's... That's how to get right back to it. Yeah. And it would be much easier as a male artist to to have to, both. To cut off. It, 
Definitely. I, I won't dispute that. It's mm. a lot easier for me to leave the house than it is for my wife to leave the house. Like, and just, even if everything's fine, there's mm. still like a, a big pull mm. and a connection. Um, but, like I said, it, it swings in roundabouts. There's a, a lot more that you can get out and you can give. Mm. But you have to... I said, work out what's right for you. I feel like a therapy session. <laughs> uh, I don't know, maybe. But um, what I would like to say is thank you for uh, taking your time out and to talk. Like, um, I wanted you here because I think you are incredible and you are inspirational. Like, <laughs> this, the like your work ethic is just, yeah. Do you remember, though, even years ago, I was told I was the hardest working woman in show business. Like, even already, like, however long yeah. ago. You, you put it in and, <laughs> like, it shows. It shows in every video clip and, and on your tracks. Like, Thank you. you sound great. I still think there is more to come from you. And mm. I think you've got more to offer. So Thank you. I would say keep on doing what you're doing and your tribe and your fan base will continue to grow. <laughs> um, but yeah, be happy. Thank you. And as you know, I'm so grateful for all the support that Remedy have given me over the years. Because every time I release a song or a video, you've put it on your blog or you've done a thing on Instagram and it's just, it means so much to me because I know that you, you know, you only put people, like artists that you like and that you think are quality and you've just always supported me the whole time and it's just, it's really nice. So honestly, it's a pleasure to, yeah, do this. Thank you so much for your time, Louise. Thank That's you. Awesome. Cool. Right. Thank you, thank you, thank you for getting to this and so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed it and there was a lot of good content in there for you to take from it. If you're feeling it, if you like it, please just subscribe, leave a comment, let us know what you're thinking and stay locked for the next episode of the Music is Remedy podcast. Thanks, guys. Love.